Hello folks, welcome back to another Capo Starkey Rugby podcast. In this episode, I have the great pleasure of my guest being Angus Operman. Angus is a South African rugby fan. His channel, Rugby Chats with Angus, will be in the description below if you're watching on YouTube. Um, Angus, welcome along to my channel, mate. How are you doing? Hey, Carl. No, thanks a lot for having me, man. It's uh, quite an honour to be on your channel. And um, no, I've been good. Um, just a bit tired after the long day of work. Um, I had a gym session as well afterwards. So um, I'm kind of feeling it, but uh, I'm happy to be here and happy to be talking to you about uh, all things rugby. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, of course, um, you know, sort of important to keep yourself fit and all that, especially the recent times we've been living in. Um, it's been challenging for all of us to some degree, I think. Um, but yeah, um, obviously with uh, all the talk of the Lions Tour coming up, um, I thought it'd be great to get someone on from the other side, so to speak, because um, from my own point of view, my main channel's just been talking about uh, what the Lions squad is and um, various other things. And most of my guests I've had on lately have been more from our side of the hem- the north of the hemisphere. Um, but no, it's nice to get someone on uh, from a more South African perspective. So I'm just going to start off by asking, uh, where do you think South African rugby at, is at right now? Of course, not play, the Springboks not played since 2019. Yeah, when you um, told me that that's going to be the question, I actually gave it a bit of thought, you know. It's, it's kind of like you have this race car that has been winning races for a long time, or won the main race. And then uh, it went into limbo because of, let's say, an accident or being COVID now or some part broke. And now you fix the car and it's driving, but you haven't actually put it in a race again. So you don't actually know what its potential is at the moment. So I think in terms of the Springboks itself, um, I'm not quite sure where they are. I mean, our top guys are playing now, which is great. Uh, we started off, I think it was last year in September with um, the Super Rugby Unlock series. And then we had the Curry Cup, and then we had a preparation series as well, and now we're into the Rainbow Cup. So our top guys have been playing for a while now in South Africa. Um, obviously, some of the guys overseas, like Pop the Clerk, um, and all those other guys, um, Aka van der Merwe, all those overseas guys, Valin Leroux, all those guys are playing now in the overseas teams for a while now. So they're all getting minutes under their belt. It's just the case of, especially the guys in the Japanese leagues, you know, where they are at the moment, you know, from a you can say, uh, a match for this point of view internationally. Because, I mean, we've had the Six Nations, we had the Rapid Championship, but South Africa hasn't played a game since 2 November 2019. So we're not quite sure where they are at this current level. You know, if they have to go into a test match, let's say, next week or this coming Saturday. However, I've given it a bit of thought. Um, and we look at what Argentina did against All Blacks without playing any internationals. Now, SA is going to play against Georgia, Mm-hmm. into warm-up test while the provincial games are going to be on while the Lions is in South Africa. So that should be, be a, a good warm-up for them, you know, on a physical point of view. The best opponents, I don't think so, but at least it's something higher up than your normal provincial match. Um, and also you need to, to look at a, a case where I've seen guys, um, especially you can look at it in 2019, good example, Woody Yacher, who's playing for Cell Sharks. He had an injury at the point in time, um, long-term, as he's, as now again, obviously. Um, he had a long-term injury. He played one Curry Cup game into the test war against Australia the next week, starting, won the game. So, uh, I mean, these guys are so conditioned to to step up, you know, when need be. So, 
I wouldn't say I'm too worried about the, the form of the Springboks of where they are going to be. And I do think that preparation against Georgia is going to help them a lot um, in terms of the Lions series. And we also have to remember now, and I'm probably babbling a bit now, sorry about that, but we also have to remember that the Springboks have played together before as a team. The yeah. bulk of that squad that won the World Cup, you know, they played together before as a team. Whereas the Lions, they're all a very good side, you know, but they come from uh, four different uh, countries. So they haven't played together as a unit as of yet. And obviously they will look to, to bond a bit, you know, in those provincial games before their test matches. Um, and the Springboks will look to do the same in their warm-up games against Georgia. So, yeah, I think they are pretty much even in that regard, you know, if I have to answer your question in that way. Yeah, um, but that's the interesting thing. Um well, the thing, thing I was going to touch on, though, um, with regards to South Africa, of course, as you mentioned, like um, there's a lot of players playing in the Northern Hemisphere. There's a fair few playing in Japan right now. And you've still got, like, you know, obviously a fair few still playing in South Africa in the current Rainbow Cup, like the four-way competition you got out there. Um, I think we can agree that's been a bit of a, a bit of a farce, but that's a bit of a side issue to, to what I'm talking <laughs> about here. Um, but no, what I was going to say is um, mainly with regards to... Um, a World Cup, I think, is a bit different because you do get the players together for a period of time before you go actually playing the tournament. Um, with this, though, the Lions Tour, I mean, I understand. I think it's good that uh, South Africa have got a couple of tests against Georgia now just to, you know, sort of get them um, back together. Um, do you think um, the fact it's uh, going to be over a shorter period of time, though, might have an effect, the fact they're coming from all over the world, basically, to come together again? Yeah, you know, you, you might have might have a good point there because I'm not sure how much time they have um, together before the test, you know, to prepare. I know that they've been um, doing Zoom calls, you know, with all the players involved, the one to um, the well, the one in the squad, or they think you know might make the squad. So, and that's one way to do it. But you still need time together. You still need time to prepare. You need time to to do your drills and test them out. So I think it will have an effect, to be honest. Um, you know, just for the sake of, of team cohesion. Um, and I think their selection will also play a big part. Um, and we'll get to that later on, obviously. But I do think, you know, the lines, they might be put together. Um, they might be together for a bit longer. And that might just work in their favour. So um, I think that's where the Africans might be a little underdone. But then again, you know, it's a team that know each other inside out, like I said, and the Lions, while there are four countries that actually still get to know each other on that level of playing together. So I guess, again, you know, it's probably a bit equal in that regard, but we'll have to see what happens, you know, come July. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think, though, it will be pretty much the same South African team that won the Rugby World Cup? Or do you think there'll be a couple of newbies we don't know, we maybe aren't talking about right now? What, what are your thoughts there? I think, you know, in terms of continuity, they probably will look to, to have the bulk of their squad. Um, and I can actually name what I think a starting team might be. Um, so from 15 to number one, and even on the bench. Um, if there has to be both, this, I think it might be in the lock department. There are a few injuries. Um, we have injuries now to Archie Snyman yeah. at Monster again. Louis Acher is also injured. Um, so we might have to look for reinforcements. Um, there's Springbok, Marvin Ori, who was in the... The wider World Cup squad, um, but he hasn't hit top form as of yet. Um, there's a couple of uncapped players in JD Schickling and Iron Andrews from the Sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we might have to look at reinforcements. You know, Dennis Kirsten is doing well for Exeter. Um, Dan Dupria is at Sales Sharks. He's doing well. He can play a loose forward and lock. So, um, Reynard Elstad, another option, you know, can play both positions. So, 
there is enough death in the rock. Um, so those are the names that might come forward, you know, if there's a crisis. But I think for now, um, they are looking to to get RG Sleiman back, you know, as soon as possible for Munster. Um, but Lourdes Yachet is still very much in uncertainty. So we're looking at maybe it's a bit and um, Mustard, you know, being the starters of the um, of the four locks and there may be two other rookies or um, uncapped players coming through into the squad, you know, to make up for the rest of it. But um, I think for the point in time, uh, like I said, you know, the only issue for me now is the locks maybe. Um, number 10, you know, if we get another injury there, we might be a bit thin. Um, I do think though that another outsider, I wouldn't say outsider, but two test um, Springbok and Bosch, Sharks flower. Oh yeah. Um, not sell sh- Sharks are African. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I think you might get okay, okay, so, Sorry, I could understand some folk maybe having the confusion considering half the sales Sharks pack is South, is both South African, so... <laughs> I I think I had to clear that up, you know, because of this yeah, I think absolutely. like half the teams in African in any case. But um, you know, Cohen Bosch has been probably one of the most consistent number tens in the country. Um, and it's also been growing a lot in his game. And yes, people always blast him on his defensive frailness, but you know, you can't look at a guy's one weak point when he has ten strong points. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, there's also been the conversation now recently of uh, the old veteran Warner Stein making a comeback. Because he's oh, been doing all is, is, is he not like 36, 37 now? I think he's, he's, he's 37 at the point in time. Um, I'm not sure if he can actually still play at that level, to be honest, Carl. I'm not quite sure. But, I mean, he played against my my team this weekend, you know, the Stormers, and he he, he ran the show and he, he beat us basically single-handedly in some sense. You know, two cross kicks and the winger scored. So he still got it, you know, from a tactical point of view. But... From a physical point of view, if you can still last, you know, maybe 60 minutes at this level or 70 minutes, it's a question, you know, I don't have the answer to at the moment. But maybe you can play a bit of a, a Skull Brits role, you know, being a mentor in the squad, helping a guy like Cohen Peters, you know, just being a better player uh, and helping him in that regard, you know, like Skull Brits did for Bongi Munami and Malcolm Marks at the World Cup, you know, it might be a spot for Morningstone. So it's an interesting thing to look at, you know, we, 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 we can actually mention so many players entering this Lions squad because let's face it, it's open. But I do think they will go with the bulk of you know the, the team that won the World Cup. Definitely. Yeah, and uh, obviously at, t- at 10, as you mentioned, uh, Henri Pollard's back fit again and um, played for um, Montpellier in their Challenge Cup semi-final. Came up, I think he came off the last, um, it was like, like the last 20 minutes or so he played. So do you think he's got it in him to be fit in time for that 10 shirt considering he's not played for, for ages? Yeah, I think it will be fine, though. Um, and like I mentioned earlier about the Yachet, Paul had a similar story in 2017. He was he was off for a long time. Um, Springbok was struggling badly, and they brought him back into the squad. And he started training with them without playing any provincial rugby. And then he came off the bench against the All Blacks, and we lost that game by a point. So, mm-hmm. And when he came on, the game changed. You know? So I think Pollard has the mental strength, actually, to to go overcome any injury and just step into a team and do what he has to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've been reading some some articles, you know, he said that he knows he need his knees, so, sorry, he knows his knee is fine because he's done, he had the surgery before on that same knee and he has done the rehab before on that same knee as well and he knows that he's okay and good to go. So I don't think there will be issues with Pollard going forward, you know. I just hope that he doesn't get injured again before the Lions series. Otherwise, we will be in a bit of trouble, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's the thing, and the thing is, he's also the ten that's sort of been there and done it. Of course, with the the World Cup, that final, you know, he just kept the points ticking over for you. 
uh, after your pack absolutely battered England off the pitch. Uh, remember that game very, very well. I think we all do. Um, and but I mean, you know, go back to a little bit about um, the lock combinations. Um, the South Africans, you seem to have uh, ability of producing a factory line of just um, you know top class locks. Like you know, you, you had obviously um, Backy's Bottom, Victor Matfield for you know about eight years, something like that, and then uh, they you know, get shot and um, well, they retire and then they come back for a little bit later on, but then you, you get in uh, Ed and Etzebeth. It's, uh, you know, just see, it just seems to be a thing you have in your DNA. You just produce like, you know, so absolutely massive men who are just, you know, going to be absolutely, you know, smashing every opponent they play. And uh, as well as being obviously excellent rugby players, you know, Ed and Etzebeth, I think, you know, possibly the best line out forward in the world right now. So how do you do it? <laughs> I think you, you probably touched on it already, uh, genetics. Uh, it must be genetics, to be honest. Um, but you mentioned something now, and it actually gave me a bit of a chuckle. Um, you know, uh, Johnny Sexton's brother, J- Jerry Sexton, the lock. I've heard, heard of him. I wouldn't say I know him, but yeah. Yeah, so he actually played for the Southern Kings in Port Elizabeth in South Africa. Okay. And so, so it's an African team imported an Irish lock. And someone said, I think it was on Twitter, someone said, doing that is basically like Fiji, Getting a getting a South African winger, it doesn't make sense <laughs> because they have the best in the world, some of the best quality wingers in the world. Same as South Africa with the locks, and I think it's a genetic thing, you know. Um, I don't know. There's there's guys at school level who has just ghost spirits all of a sudden, and you should see our schoolboy teams. I, I kid you not, you know, there are guys that you would walk in the street and think they are grown up adults, and they will only be like 16, 17 year olds. I mean, Huge, tall, buff, athletic guys. And most of those guys, they play rock, but they can play in the back row as well. That's how agile they are. So yeah. it must be a genetic thing, to be honest. You know, I think we're quite blessed with loose sports in this country. And we've always been, you know, in all, in all forms and sizes, to be honest. Not just the tall, bulky, open side guys. You know, you get the, the lower guys like a Wyatt Heidi so There's Chris Klute, who's playing at Munster now. He's been touted as a Springbok a couple of years ago. Um, you know, we have Marco van Staden. Um, there's a guy like I could see playing at Bath now. He's not the biggest, you know, but he can play six and number eight. Yeah. So um, there's many options, you know, that that uh, that you can have in your South African team of all sections and sizes. And yeah, just keep them coming, bro. I don't know how they do with it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned that, like how you know, with regards to loose forward, because of course uh, Peter Stefutoy, like famously started his career at Lock. He went out to um, number. The thing is, like, you know, obviously you use over there, you have your number seven playing the number six, the sort of blindside flank, flanker role, and the number six, six plays the open side flanker. Um, you know, so part of me, if I get a wee bit confused there, because I I mean, I always refer to number six as the blind side. We always refer to six as the blind side and seven as the open side. So, I mean, I'll just say, like, Pierre Steph Detroit, of course, went from, you know, a lock to blind side flanker and a bloody good blind side fa- flanker at that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, actually, with him, um, is he going to be fit enough? Because I know he's uh, still nursing an injury just now, Peter Steph de Toit. No, no, I think he'll be fine to be honest. Um, because he played two consecutive weekends full 80 minutes. Oh, yeah. it wasn't even the plan, it wasn't even the plan to play him the full 80, but we had a bit of disruption in terms of a red card in the first match against the Sharks. Um, and he was forced to play the full 80, and he almost caught the winning try this past weekend as well. The guy's got a machine, I don't know what kind of coffee he drinks. I don't know what what how, how much hours or how many hours he sleeps per night, but he just seems to be, he's not even human, I swear. Like, no person can go 
for over a year. He's been injured for over a year. Come into a starting lineup and play two 80-minute games, you know, in two consecutive weekends. So I don't think there should be many questions around his um, fitness for the Lions tour. Um, and if he can get a couple of more minutes under their belt, you know, by July, he should be good to go. Yeah, well, the thing is, he's, uh, I mean, in my opinion, like he's, uh, you know, one of the most frightening uh, loose forwards in the world, just like, especially with the way he tackles, like, you know, sort of, I just think anyone who's on the receiving end of a tackle from him would be feeling it for a month, that, yet alone into next week, because he just like, he just <laughs> tackles probably as hard, if not harder than any forward I've I've personally ever seen on uh, a rugby pitch. Um but, you know, other, other players to mention, um, you know, number eight, I think, uh, is, uh, you think uh, Van, du, Dwayne Vermeulen's going to be favourite there, uh, despite he's getting on a little bit age-wise, but he still looks like he's got the ability, would you say? Yeah, he's good to go, to be honest. I don't, um, and I've always said, you know, I mean, people always refer to a guy's age, but I always say his age is one thing. It's about what can the guy produce on a Saturday. And if he can still deliver, his age shouldn't be an issue. I mean, Johnny Sexton is still playing fly off and it's like what 36 years old now you know it doesn't matter he's still sitting island chip that's just one example um brad thorne played until he was 38 39 years old Mm -hmm. so it wasn't an issue you know so i think the way will be the first choice definitely he's the most experienced um i know he organizes the the pack defense as well on the field that's his role in the pack so he's like a bit of a captain there as well Mm -hmm. um so the way definitely the first choice number eight um I, i do feel you know i think in terms of the the backup number eight, you know, um, it might be a, a case of a versatile guy like Marcel Kutzir, you know, who's coming back to South Africa to play for the Bulls from Ulster. Because mm. he can play number six and he can play number eight, but um, he's still doing his rehab now in Pretoria as far as I know. And um, there's a good chance he might, might start playing at the end of the month for the Bulls now. So if he can get uh, a full month of um, Rainbow Cup in and get some minutes under the belt, stay injury-free, most importantly, I think he might be second in line, you know, to take over the jersey of Francois Lowe, um, live vacant, you know. But also, in saying that, he can also be back up for Duane for Mielin if need be. Um, and again, I'll go back to Baltus, you know. I mentioned Jakub here earlier, great guy. Um, and he's now at Bath. And I feel he, like the storm was letting go too early because he was at the peak of his career. But I also think, if you look at what happened back in the day, Francois Lowe was also just at the peak of his storm's career, went to Bath. And the rest is history. So maybe, just maybe, you know, we might see a Springbok cap we have to see a playing at number eight, you know, if there is a bit of a vacancy there for him as well. There. So, you know, there's good options, you know, in the loose forwards as well. But I think uh, Dwayne Miller definitely, you know, is, is a starting number eight for now. Yeah. Um, as I said earlier, you seem to keep producing them. <laughs> Back row, loose forwards, the whole the whole pack, in fact. Uh, but you say, like, if you think you know what the number one to 15 is going to be uh, just from what I'm gauging. It seems like it's going to be similar to the one that won the world cup, but you, you um, feel free to, you know, just go on and say what you think the one to 15 will be. Um, okay. So I'll start from the back. Um, so I'll go Valilu really route 15. Um, Jason Colby at the right wing. Mm. Lucanio Um at outside center. Damon the Islander has been super for months at inside yeah. center. Because Oluma Pimpi is playing for Red Hurricanes in Japan now, but still a lethal finisher at left wing. Um, Andre Pollard at fly-half. Um, Puff the Clerk at scrum-half, Dwayne Mill number eight. Uh, Peter Steff at number seven. And then number six, Kira Kulisi, the captain. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been on top form, but uh, again, you know, he's one of those guys, when he gets into Springbok shirt, he keeps delivering. So I don't think it's yeah. an issue there in that regard. 
the locks might be a bit unchanged. Um, so it might be um, Prakum Boster at number five, with even it's with at number four. Um, and then the loose set, you know, being France Malerba and Hooker Bongi Mudambi. I'm saying Bongi for, for the reason that Bongi is playing at a higher level now because Malcolm Marx is playing in Japan. Okay. And so um, I, the, the South African way of selecting, especially, you know, they first look at the guys playing in the country and then they look at the guys abroad, you know. And if there's not much difference, they'll go with the guy who's in South Africa. So um, Bongi at Hooker and Steven, you know, being the loose set prop, Steven Kitsov. Yeah. Um, but also, you have to remember now, it's going to get interesting on the bench because Tendam Tawarira was um, the first choice, but he retired. Yeah. So now Steven Kitsov yeah. is now automatically the first choice. And I think, I wouldn't say we lack a bit of depth, but I don't think we have the same quality in terms of another lucid prop after Steven Kitsov. There's Oxen Chef for the Sharks. Mm. Then there is um, Tom Zitoy. And Trevin Yakar, you can play loose at in title. If they're going to select them on the bench, respectively, I'm not quite sure. If they're going to go with a specialist loose set, I'm not sure it's going to be, to be honest. I mean, there's been conversation of Kuni Wistazen, who can also play both roles, yeah. you know, making a comeback for the Springboks, you know, from Shell Shot. So I think at replacement loose set prop, you know, there might be a big debate as to who's going to take that number 17 jersey. Um, but I do know number 18 is covered, you know, um, in tight head prop, you know, with Vincent Koch. Um, oh, yeah, and Lucid is also Lucid Kobolkov, the Bulls. Um, and I mentioned the other guys as well in tight head, you know, Trevor Thomas, they can all cover those positions, even Kuni Westays. And so I think in that regard, they should be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to the to the replacement uh, loose, or the replacement rock for that matter, if um, Archie Snayman is fit to go, um, I think he might be the guy on the bench, hopefully. I'm a big fan of him, to be honest. Um, and then uh, loose forward. Uh, interesting one again. Who's going to be a replacement guy? Do you go for a, a, a line-out option? Or do you go for someone who's playing a bit closer to the ball? But I do think Marcel Kutsia might be the guy to go with his, his, sorry, his foot and ready to go um, playing for the Bulls from the end of the month, you know, as yeah. they predicted. Marcel Kutsia wearing the number 20 jersey. Uh, replacement scrum half. I mean, look, Herschel Yankees playing in South Africa. Um, the Stormers aren't doing that well at the moment, but you know, his form hasn't been bad, to be honest. But on the other side of the coin, Kobus Reiner has been tearing it up, you know, for Montpellier, and he's playing alongside Andre Pollard. So that might give him yeah. a bit of an advantage going into the test squad. Um, so I think it's a bit of a two horse race um, for the replacement uh, scrum half jersey. And then you look towards your um, backline replacement. So you're probably going to go for uh, a center in front stain. Um, I can cover like three positions, basically. Yeah. Um, I don't think they'll go 6-2 again in terms of the court. They might go 5-3 yeah, this time around. Yeah, you do. So, sorry, I was, I was going to get on to that. Um, you don't think it'll be 6-2 like it was in the World Cup? Um... Yeah, I'm not quite, I don't think so, to be honest. I think um, maybe for the one test in Cape Town, where they don't play at altitude, but I think we they might go five three to two test in Joba because altitude also might have an effect on the Lions players that yeah, last twenty minutes. Possibly. Yeah, very possibly. And they might, yeah, they might want to actually get a few guys to run him off the park a bit. So I think maybe for, for one of the two tests, or they might only have a, a six two split, but that's just my opinion, obviously. Um, but I think, you know, if we go to to have a normal sort of test squad, I think they'll go 5-3 with uh, maybe a front stain at the back. Mm. Um, Kerwin Bosch, you know, for, for a flower replacement. Um, 
yeah, you know, there's, I'm not even sure, Jesse Krill, you know, playing in Japan as well. I think he's also a good cover for wing and for center. Yeah. But then it's a bit redundant as well because you have two guys that can cover the same positions then. So, yeah, that's just basically my, my match to 23 for now. Um, like I said, it can go anywhere, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, form injuries come into play as well. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I want to talk a bit about um, Marcel Kutsia, um because I think um, most of us, um, like around the Northern Hemisphere, when we see him play for Ulster, we hold him in high regard with his ability. But sadly, he seems to get injured an awful lot. Um, you know, do you think he will manage to keep himself fit in time to be available for the tests? Well, I hope so, to be honest. <laughs> I know he, he had some bad luck with injuries. Um, I was actually at the last test the Springbok played in South Africa where he got injured in, up in Pretoria. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how basically he, he couldn't make the World Cup squad, obviously, for the second time around. But, you know, I hope that he, he stays fit, you know, mm-hmm. because he's been prone to injury, especially with his knee. I'm not even sure how he, he still operates, to be honest. I can actually still run because he had so many knee reconstructions, you know, in the last couple of years. And he just seems to get going after that. He just seems to to recover and just do what he does best. You know, I'm not sure if there's something special he drinks or eats, but, you know, he's got that in him. So, you know, God willing, he, he, he actually stays fit and, and um, injury-free and uh, makes the Lions tour. Or makes yeah, the Lions yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, I mean, when I've seen him play, I've always thought he's a talent. Just a shame that injury seemed to... Seems to get catch up with him sometimes. He's had a couple of bad ones from what I've seen. But uh, yeah, um, just want to talk about what the um, general consensus in, is in South Africa with regards to the squad the Lions have picked. Um, what do you think of the the squad the line that Gatlin's gone for overall? I'll say it's a well-balanced squad, to be honest. Um, obviously, uh, a few omissions, um, but I think not too surprised. I think the squad. biggest surprise to me... No, I was just going to yeah. say, don't think, don't think Alan, Alan Jones is an old pensioner who needs a wheelchair as uh, one of your one of your journalists seems to be loving to stir the pot about. You know, you know, Carl, um, and I'll probably get a lot of flack for this, you know, because I'm also, I'm, I'm, an oppo- I'm an opposing freelance journalist um, from another company, but I feel every country has that one or two journalists that, He's just there for sensation. Now, absolutely, the guy that wrote, I won't mention his name. I won't mention his name. We all know who he is. But the guy who wrote that was relevant at the point in time in his career. He's not anymore. And he writes the biggest load of rubbish these days. I wouldn't take what he says with a pinch of salt. I've mentioned to you earlier what I feel about players and their age. If you say, can still perform, pick him. Whether he's 20 years old or 40 years old, if he can still perform at the highest level, why not? So, Alan Jones, I mean, in terms of rugby CV, he's probably the best guy out there to do the job. And I, I actually I absolutely no see, don't see any reason why he shouldn't be the captain. Because mm-hmm. he's got the reason, he's got the experience, he's got the calmness. I mean, look at what, look at his reaction when Joe Marler, you know, did what he did with yes. him back yes. in the day. Yes. <laughs> he no, kept no. calm. Another guy would have lashed out probably most likely. Yeah. He kept calm and just said, listen, what the hell are you doing? You know, and that's the maturity Alan Jones has. And um, I think, you know, that's what you need from a captain, especially in a line series. You don't want a guy who's a hard head who will go and punch and push guys. You want someone to stay calm in a situation where things might get, get a bit tense. Mm-hmm. And it will get a bit tense, you know, coming yeah. um, into those team matches. So you need to leave a little captain. Um, and, and that's why I think he's actually the best guy for the job. Um, but yeah, I know what the, that, that certain journalist said, but I have to tell you, I don't agree with him, to be honest. 
No, yeah, fair, no, fair enough. I just, I mean, again, uh, we've we've got our journalists who've uh, said their opinions on the squad lines are picked and certain players, especially being a Scotsman, um, you know, saying certain players from my country are either too small or too much of a liability. And I generally just think they're talking mostly a load of rubbish. So, uh, uh, um, but um, yeah, so I can really, I can definitely relate to you there, but yeah, but uh, so, sorry to interrupt you a bit. Like what were you thinking? Like of the overall squad lines of picks, they seem like well-balanced. Um, where do you think um, they can cause problems for the spring box when it goes into the test series? Louis Serizamit. Look, uh, we have Chislin Colby. Great. Absolutely great. But he's got that, uh, same with Colby, but I think Louis is a bit of an unknown factor still, you know, in South Africa. We haven't seen too much of him. I mean, we haven't played him at all. We've played Joss Adams in the in the semifinal last year, so mm. we know a bit how to, to kind of contain him. But I always say it's an unknown factor um, of players that you don't know. Uh, Bandi Aki, we've played him in Super Rugby, a couple of guys, you know, we were still playing for the Chiefs back in the day. But also another unknown factor. But I don't think Bandi will be a guy that is really starting, but maybe, maybe a guy off the bench or an injury cover guy. But you never know what Gatlin has up his, up his sleeve, you know. So, Loves his um, 12, so it's very possible he could be starting. Yeah, look, I think maybe... Um, but the focus obviously will be on the forward back. Um, so the stream box are quite settled in that regard. Uh, I don't see any player causing them too much problems there. Um, I do feel that you know a guy like Carl Sinclair being left out, they might have missed the trick, but I'm sure Gats has his reasons. And I always say, you know, when a coach makes a selection and the public is not happy with it, I understand why the public isn't happy, but also understand that coaches see things that we don't because they have a, a first eye view of what they want in a player, what they need in a player. And if that certain player don't actually get to that criteria, well, then so be it. You know, he can't select the guy that's not going to fulfill what he wants from him. Um, I think it was um, our coach, Jansi Rasmus, yeah, he said that he doesn't necessarily pick the best 15 guys, the best 15 rugby players. He looks at those guys who actually does what he needs him to do. Yeah. And I think it was evident, you know, in, in that World Cup squad. I mean, we probably... We had some better players out there that didn't get selected. But at the, end of the, the, sorry, at the end of the day, the guys that were there did what he wanted them to do. And they did it and they got the job done. So I think Gats was smart in his selection. Um, I mean, he's been, he won the Alliance Tour in 2013. He drew one in 2017. There's not much you, you can actually dispute him on. You know? I know the Chiefs uh, in Super Rugby didn't do well last year. But, um, you know, be that as it may. He's still a damn good international coach, you know, with Wales. And um, I wouldn't argue with the selections much in the end regard, to be honest. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I'm thinking fairly fairly similar there, obviously. I mean, I think there's always, um, from our end, there's always one or two names that are up for debate. Um, there's a couple of um, players like, um, obviously, Courtney Laws being picked. Um, you'll obviously know what a great player he can be. But the fact he's in, he's still injured just now and he's not really played since February, Um there's a lot of like thinking, oh, is he just being picked on reputation? And then um, Johnny Hill was a kind of a bit of a left field choice in the second row. Um, he didn't play that well in the Six Nations for England, but he has been playing um, pretty well for Exeter Chiefs this season. And then uh, the weekend before the line selection, he happy to kick it. He happened to kick a 60, 60 foot monster um, up the pitch for a second row, which is damn impressive. And there was just something in the back of my mind that was kind of thinking, is he just going because Gatlin's just seen, yeah, that guy. 
And um, then obviously there's other debates, um, you know, Sam Simmons not getting a look in for Eddie Jones, but um, you'll know, obviously I'm going to say you'll know um, a lot about him. Um, yeah, what do you, you think of uh, players like that, like Sam Sam Simmons and the other two eights that are going as well? They're all three more ball-playing eights rather than uh, like of Billy Bunipola or CJ Stander, who are more, you know, sort of like smash up up the jumper eights. Um, what do you, you think of um, Gatlin's choices there? Yeah, I actually think that they might have also missed the trick on not playing CJ Stander. I know he's going he's to retire at the end of the season, but, um, you know, being a, a South African-born player, he knows the conditions. I mean, he's played for the Bulls in Pretoria for years. Two test matches are going to be played up there. So they might have missed a bit of expertise in that regard. Um, I mean, obviously, he can interpret some of the Afrikaans calls that's being made. So he can just e- eavesdrop and just tell the guys, listen, you know what? This has been said. You know, you can use these tactics maybe. But um, I think they missed Mr. trick on not selecting CJ. Um, you mentioned the, the Sam Simmons, obviously. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good choice, to be honest. I mean, Eddie Jones, he's been performing week in and out for Exeter. And Eddie Jones just like turned the blind eye. But we know Eddie is quite stubborn in his selection. So there's nothing new there, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, on a, on, a, on a dry South African field, Sam Simmons is a guy that can cause havoc, you know, um, to, to any forward back. So I think that was actually a very, very smart trick that Gatlin pulled there. And I think also Eddie Jones' eyes might open up now, you know, especially if he performs in South Africa, that he might have missed the trick, you know, not selecting England in the first place. But I think at the number edge, you know, I think they're actually a bit more settled in the lines, you know, as we are in South Africa. Because like I said to you earlier as well, you know, we've had Dwayne from Yellen, but when it comes to the second, third choice guys, I'm not quite sure who's going to step up in that number eight jersey. So I think the Lions might have a bit of an edge there um, towards the Africans, you know, coming to number eight. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, as I was saying, with the three eights selected, um, you know, they'll be offering a bit more variety. Like, I think there'll be plenty of moments where we'll see, I'm expecting it to be Falato still the test start starter with maybe Simmons on the bench. Um, but I think we will see whoever is playing number eight, they'll be popping up on the wing more often than, you know, doing the crash at work down the middle. Um, and, and it might be like a case, we might see more stats where it's a head. I'm expecting Henshaw again to be this, this first choice center, whether it's a 12 or 13 we don't know yet, but I think we might see more stats of Henshaw doing the work where he gets um, gets the lines over the gain line, and then they know there's number eights more doing the out wide work or um, you know sort of popping in, um, trying to do the offloads and get other players into play. Um, that's the sort of things I'm expecting to see from lines a bit with this because I I think with South Africa it's safe to say the style of rugby um, you guys will be playing is the attritional sort of. Um, smash him up front, like, you know, sort of demoralise him and absolutely smash him back there. Um, play, the, play the rugby in the opposition's half. Have, have backs who are just going to happy to kick chase all day and when they get the opportunity, whether it's off a counter-attack or the play breaks up a bit, that can absolutely, you know, sort of tear it up and score almost at will. Um, but that's the uh, game we're expecting. I don't think... Um, that um, the Lions are going to be able to beat them playing them at their own game with the power game. I think... Like we, as you as you'll know, with New Zealand in the past, they haven't beaten the box just by taking them on. Like you know, the pounding kind of rugby that South Africa like to play. They more they play with a lot of variety and sort of try and move the South African pack about a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. But like I said, you know earlier, the altitude factor as well. Oh yeah. If they are going to pursue that, if they are going to pursue that game plan, they have to make sure they are fit to do so. I mean, two tests in Johannesburg is no easy feat, and. Yeah. 
You know, the is quite thin up there in Joburg. I mean, down here in Cape Town, it's fine. You know, you, you can play that sort of game. But, you know, at altitude, it's not that easy. And I go back to, to 2018 when Rassi Rasmus took over. They played a test in uh, Johannesburg, played a test in Bloemfontein, and played a test in Cape Town. Um, barring the, the changes made in Cape Town as well, because they changed the whole team that plays through the first two tests. We lost badly. I think we won. We lost something like, uh, I think, 28-9 against England in that last test. A rainy, rainy test, you know. I think Danny Sapriani still, still started that one. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that at, at sea level, uh, the Lions might have a bit more of a chance as opposed to at altitude. So if they want to play the running game, go for it. But they have to make sure it's a balanced game, not throw yeah, anything around. Right. Because if they're going to try and run the screen box off their feet, they might get it right for a good 20, 30-odd minutes. But I think we'll be more conditioned to actually take them on, you know, going into that last uh, 40, 50 minutes of the test. So... They have to be smart in that regard, you know, on yeah. how they want to play because um, I think one one miscalculation might cost them, you know, if, if they don't actually pitch up in, in the sense of preparing well um, fitness-wise because, um, mm-hmm. you know, up in Joburg, it can be an issue. Um, I mean, England played South Africa in 2018, like I just mentioned. They were 24-3 ahead and lost this, um, I think, like uh, something like 39-42. We made a comeback before the first half and the second half. We just blew them off the park. And it was all altitude. Except for the things coming together, the game plan coming together, the altitude help. We ran them off their feet. So, you know, it, it could be a thing of can the lungs last you know, for that long? And I guess we'll have to see when it happens when the guys come and play in Johannesburg. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very fair point, I think, um, as you say, with regards to, to altitudes. Um, and when I say, obviously, variety, even even though I'm suggesting that, it's still bloody difficult to beat the spring beat the spring box because you need at very least parity at the park, you need at least a platform to play from. And as you're saying, if you know, sort of you do make a mistake or there's a loose pass of that, so that the South Africans are very capable of um, you know, turning any team over with that, um, as they've historically shown. Um, but yeah, um, one of the obviously the main um talking point in terms of the backs for the spring box, um Mr. Sheslin Colby uh, being touted now as the best winger in the world. Um you know he's still he's still going bloody well with Toulouse. I mean, got he's helped them to, of course, another a European final. And um, what are your thoughts on him and how he's he's getting on and how how good is he going to be for the series or how good and ready I should now, say? I think, yeah, I think he will be the game breaker. To be honest, uh, I covered the, the match, the semi final he played. You know, I think he skipped two or three guys in a matter of this amount of space. And he can still do it to anyone at any time. Um, I think it was Brian who directly said that he's better than Shane Williams because he can step off both feet at any time. And I've seen, okay, I'm saying this with all due respect, I've seen Chislin grow up. And if I say grow up, I've seen him play Western Province under 19s, under 21s, um, Vodacom Cup. I mean, I support the Stormers, so I've always been at the games, you know, where he's been playing. Yeah. And he's been playing like that all these years. But he's he's got so much better and so much more around the playing with, with Toulouse than he's ever been. Um, and I think he actually had a few weaknesses, you know, on his defensive game and so forth. But now, he's a guy that can actually do it all. He's good in the air. He's good on defense. He's brilliant on attack. And I don't think he can put a foot wrong, to be honest. So, Jason Kobe might be the guy that makes or breaks the series for the spring box. And I think he'll make it more than break it, to be honest. Yeah, no, I mean, you just watch him. I mean, the variety he has in his game as well. I mean, there was times when I was watching that semi-final to lose against Bordeaux. He was popping up in the centres. He was putting little kicks in behind. Uh, I know he's played 10s a few, 10 a few times for Toulouse as well. I mean, just, 
he just seems to be all, almost the complete rugby player. I mean, for a winger, they just what he, as well as you know his ability, obviously to have that X factor, you know, where he can just make or break a game, as you're saying. Um, he has that ability just to have that all roundedness to his game, as well as like his brain of knowing when to pop up and thing and things. But um, what do you think of um, uh, the prospect? I'm not saying this is going to be line selection on the left wing, but what do you think of the prospect of someone like uh, Duan van der Merwe going up against him? Whew. It's going to be interesting for one. I do know if there's one thing about Duan's game that's not as great is his defensive work. Yeah, that's so <laughs> that could be the issue. I mean, if you miss a tackle, you're going to lose the game. And to be fair, you know, if he goes up against Chislin Colby one on one, there's nine out of ten times it's going to be only one winner, and it's going to be Chislin Colby. So. Um, you know, Duan being so, sorry, sorry, Angus, I was just going to ask, what do you think of if uh, Duan has the ball, though, and he's going up against uh, Cheslin Colby? Well, you make me think a bit now, to be honest. I'm not <laughs> quite sure, Duan. Like, I, I, I wish I could answer you that one. Um, well, look, I haven't seen them play against each other before, so it's a bit of an open question, I suppose. But I think, you know, Duan's got, got the, the physicality. Um, the power game to, to maybe bump off Chisholm Colby. Um, but then again, the Springbok, the Springbok defensive system is so aligned to sell fake space. By the time he gets Chisholm, there'll be two other guys to come for him as well. Definitely. So um, it, it might be interesting to see if there's a one-on-one situation who might come out on top. I, I think in a power situation, Duan might overpower him, but Chisholm will slow him down. He wouldn't miss a tackle. He will slow him down, definitely. Um, so I'll still give the nod to Chislin Colby to contain him, to be honest. Um, I, I'm not too worried about it, you know, where Duane has the ball. But I also would say in the same breath, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Duane has an impact, you know, playing against country of birth. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think that's uh, fair to say. Um, but e- even if, um, you know, Duane, like, manages to, you know, overpower Colby and Colby slows him down, that could open up uh, space elsewhere if two or three tacklers need to take him down. Um and um, yeah, but also the thing is with Duhan, he has the, that ability as well, which I, I don't think that many people are talking about because they just see him as a winger. He has that ability to pop up in the centre of the, of the pitch and he can be that guy who does that back, who does get over the game line, which um, as we know, Gatlin loves his backs who like, you know, sort of are going to get over the game line at the first or second point of attack. Um, and, uh, you know, he has that ability just to like, you know, look for space in field and, you know, cause havoc there. So it's his defense, as you say, you're rightly to say his defense still has a lot of question marks over it, mainly with his positional play, um, which is where if he gets it wrong against someone like Cheslin Colby, even by an inch, that would be a big problem. So that gets me thinking, like, you know, if is Gatlin gonna start him there? He'd need to play very well in the in the warm-up games um going into it. Same with all the players, of course, but you know, I think especially him if he's gonna prove that he is in with a good contention of starting in that in that first test. Um, being Scottish, I'm a bit biased. I would start him, but uh, you know, sort of. I just I just think like you know his his ability as a try scorer and just how he you know gets around the pitch and he keeps he keeps defenders guessing. Um, is you know going to be a big factor in his favour when he has the ball, of course, or when the team have the ball, of course. Yeah, I have to ask you something quickly before we go on. As a Scotsman, how do you feel? about having more than two guys in the Lions squad, you know, for, for oh, the first time in how many years? Oh, it, it feels great. Uh, we've, well, we've had three in 2013, three in 2009, three in, uh, yeah, so two is the, 
but yeah, no, it, feel, no, it does feel feel really good and justified um, how well some of our boys have been playing, especially over the, the Six Nations. Uh, I'm still not sure about um, Ali Price, to be honest with you, as he's likely to be the third choice nine, um, I think, because uh, sometimes his game management at key times still needs a bit to be desired as far as I'm concerned. Um, and Xander Fagerson, as good a rugby player as he can be, his discipline sometimes... Um, I'm not just talking about the red card he got against Wales. Mainly, I'm mainly talking about he's still sometimes in games where he gives away a penalty or two. He doesn't just like always have the mental ability just to brush it off and just say, "Okay, I give away a penalty, it doesn't matter." But because so, sometimes he goes on to um, give four or five penalties away and just you know sort of lose his head a little bit. So that's my like those two are my other only slight concerns the rest of them the other six that are going i think have all got are all there on merit and all deserve to their spot um but that's another question i want to ask you um because I, I expect dan bigger to be um the first choice 10 right now um but uh finn russell i think is, is someone who definitely could uh, give the box a few problems at 10 uh, what are your th thoughts on finn as a rugby player Great attacking player, but um, yeah, he can also be unlocked, you know, if, um, if, if things get a bit loose. But he, he's one of those guys that you can either dominate him if things get loose or he can dominate you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. if things get a bit loose, which I, I probably think it will, you know, especially like I said in the Joe Book case in that last 20 minutes, when he's a guy that can break open defences, um, especially... You know, uh, if there's a bit of a mismatch or anything like that, you know, back against forward, like maybe he has to take on a hook or anything like that. So, you know, it, it might be interesting what Finn can do, you know, because, I mean, he's one of those silent assassins, I would say. He's a player that people don't actually think of quickly, you know, think about the Lions play. They'll go paddle, they go, um, like you just mentioned, bigger and all those guys. But when it comes to Finn Russell, you know, he's just as that's, bit of unpredictability when things get a bit pear-shaped um, in terms of the, the opposition defence. So he might be also uh, key to, to what the uh, guests want to do, and I think that's why he's selected in any case. So, um, yeah, he might be a bit of a, a trump card for Gats, you can say. Yeah, I think, um, pardon me, I think Gregor Townsend being on, a on the Lions coaching staff has played a bit of a factor in him going, uh, I have to say. Um but no, I think I think the thing is with it with Finn is uh, last couple of years, especially since he's gone to Racing, his all round game has just improved so much. I mean, even when in the Six Nations, the match against France, I know he got a red card near the end, but in that game, like his his tactical kicking and his ability just to put balls in behind and keep the French under pressure was just he just um, chalk and cheese. He just looks shows just how much he is improved over the past couple of years and his overall game awareness he's like not chucking passes for the sake of it as much anymore um albeit it's brilliant when it does work as it showed against England in 2018 um but um yeah no I, th I think he's someone as I say expect bigger to be starting I think he's someone you know in the last 20 minutes you can bring off the bench and he'd keep the South Africans on their toes and under and you know under stress because like this sort of unpredictability factor as you say you don't know what he's going to do entirely yeah, look, um, you mentioned those guys. I'm just thinking now, are we talking about Farrell as a 12 and not a 10 at the moment? Do you think Farrell will play a, a dual sort of role playing number 12 instead of number 10? So they have Big at 10, Farrell at 12, and then okay. later on take Big off and bring Finn on and keep a dual playmaking role. Do you think that might be a thing for the Lions? 
I think that's a possibility. Um, in my personal opinion, I wouldn't have taken Farrell on the tour at all because apart from his goal kicking, I think he's been rubbish for England recently. So, um, you know, he's, he's one of those players, as the whole thing, talk of the credit in the bank, he's one of those players who's just there for that and his goal kicking, I think. So I expect him to start in the test, but I wouldn't start, I wouldn't start him right now, I'd say. I'll have to say. Yeah, Owen Farrell doesn't have a good reputation in South Africa, you know. So um, when Jason Colby did what he did to him in the World Cup final, <laughs> we, were happy. we were happy we won the final, but we were also happy that after what happened in 2018, when he showed the charts um, yes, on the Easter yes, yes. should have won, should have gotten the penalty at the end. You know, I think we lost by a point. Yes. Um, yes. And he got away with it. Um, I think that was just like sweet revenge for that moment what happened in 2018. And you know that following week, you know, when England played the All Blacks, the whole South Africa was supporting the All Blacks to beat England because of what Owen Farrell did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I can't say I blame you, to be honest. No, I, I, I still remember at the time the Rassi Erasmus teaching. Um, yeah, what, what was the what was the centre's name who um, you know sort of got Andre Andre Stazen. I yeah, I remember him t- coaching him how to you know make the tackle. It's like yeah, just go over your shoulder first and just get your arm up afterwards. And uh, yeah, he made a big big. I mean, it's good he could have a laugh at it. But I can totally understand why. Um, Yous were all very frustrated and annoyed at that because it was it should have been a penalty. That I'm granted we're going back a couple of years. It should have been a penalty, and uh, you know he's a lucky boy. But you could also look at it from another angle. Um, a few months, I mean, last uh, a few months ago, a bit a bit before um, rugby. Well, about the time rugby resumed, maybe just after he got a red card for you know similar where he just shoulder charged someone near the face, and he still does it sometimes. He's showing the Six Nations. I think. Um, I was right. I think it was when uh, Duan Vernemer scored for Scotland against England. He he basically went in with attempted shoulder, but um, oh. thankfully Duhan like had made enough of an impact to get over and score the try that it didn't really make a difference. But yeah, I mean, you just think like with that sort of tackling, you know, he needs to you know buck up a bit because um, I don't think, especially with the way you know all the authorities are going now and the way that how much scrutiny there is with the TMO etc. He's not going to get away with that as much anymore. I don't think. Yeah, and I think what, what kind of bothers me is the fact that he hasn't done anything to change it. I mean, it's been going on for years now. Yeah. And as a coach, you would also want to say, listen, boy, you know, you can't go on like this. We have to work in attacking technique because you're going to wonder you are going to not get away with it and we might end up in the biggest trouble of our lives. And he still does it. He's, he's done it recently as well mm-hmm. and got away with it again. So I'm not sure what his issue is, if he's doing it on purpose, because, wow, like, one stacking technique cannot be that bad and you don't actually work on it. Your coaches don't address it. It's actually worrying, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And the thing is, like, I remember, I, I just read some stuff about um, certain pundits in the media who talk about Scottish players, like, oh, you know, he's a liability there or he's too small there. I just think Owen, Owen Farrell's one of the biggest liabilities out there. Like, if he just get gets it wrong, like... As you say, if, if, if an incident like what happened two years ago in England, South Africa, like if it happens in a Lions series, he's not going to get away with that again because, you know, the you know, folk are just going to be more screwed into screwed into what is going on. And uh, obviously the TMOs, like for such big games and test series, they're going to be a lot more switched on to all, pretty much everything that's going on. So, yeah, he's, he's, I don't see him getting away with that as, as much in, you know, the, the series, if that makes sense. If he, if he yeah, doesn't I mean, again. If yeah, and if you look back at 2017, you know, Sonny Bill Williamson, I think it was the second test you got in yes, the card. Yes, yes, yes. It was a very, 
not the same, but a very similar attack. And Sonny Bill Williams, probably one of the biggest players in the world. They showed him, listen, boy, you can't do that. Red card. The first All Black in 50 years to get a red card in the, the Lions won that game, I think 24-21. Yes. So, I mean, this is not going to be another test match. It's not going to be a friendly. It's not, not going to be an end of year tour sort of thing. It's going to be an actual Lions series. And if Farrell does it again, are they going to overlook it? I don't think so. I yeah. think he's going to, they're going to punish him and he might even sit, sit out the rest of the tour of duty suspension. So... Mm-hmm. He is a liability. I have to agree with you, to be honest. Not my problem if he does it. <laughs> of course not. Record, it, I'm happy with it, you know, because we're going to be an advantage. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't blame <laughs> you, mate. The worst uh, um, but yeah, um, regards to uh, talk a wee bit about uh, maybe other Lions players, to think. what do you think of, um, from a Scottish point of view, what do you think of Hamish Watson as a rugby player, as a seven? Too small or a threat or... You know, too small has been a thing that Jason Kobe's been called all his life. And in South Africa, we had guys like CJ Stando who's been called too small. He went to, to Ireland, obviously. And, well, the rest is history. He's one of the best players in Europe at the moment. Size, my friend, has never been an issue to, to me personally. I, I don't see size as an issue for a player that can perform. Um, if you can put in the hard yards, if you can do the graph, I mean, these guys that are big, but they can't tackle properly, aka Owen Farrell, um, they can't do the primary roles like they should do. So you might have a bigger guy, but he can't rush back, you know, after he made a tackle in two seconds or whatever the case may be. And at the end of the day, what you want is effort from a guy and a guy can actually do the job for you like the way you want him to. And, at the, and you know, after that, what, what difference does his size make? If you can still smash a guy back twice his size, what's the issue? So, Amish watching, no issues whatsoever. I think he's a brilliant player and deserves a selection. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, I, I can't see an issue with his size, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is with, uh, you know, he, he still carries, he, he, he breaks the game line seven or eight times out of ten when he carries. He's got the his footwork as well when he does carry, I think he, I think he could cause a lot of problems uh, for you, like especially your big, your bigger players. Like you know, um, if he's going down low, it could be uh, very awkward to try and tackle properly. And he's just, um, you know, I, th- I think he's got almost the whole round package. And of course, he's very strong over the ball as well at the breakdown. Um, you know, so I mean, he's, I mean, I, I'm maybe coming from a slightly biased place, but I just think you know, sort of, he's more or less god up north of the border. I just ab- absolutely think he's a brilliant, brilliant player. Uh, and I would definitely have him as my seven. But again, of course, like everyone, he's got to perform in the pre-test mat- pre-test matches. And um, but I think he's got every shout shout right now. Um, but yeah, um, is there anything anything else you think I wanted to talk about with um, regards to South Africa or anything? Yeah, you, you touched on the on the loose forwards now, and I think uh, especially the breakdown. I think that might be an area where the game could be won or lost as well. Because I mean. You look at, at guys who, who can play towards the ball. You mentioned Hamish now. Um, we have to went to Mielin, we have Malcolm Marks, we have Bongi, we have Steven Kitsoff. They're not loose forwards, but I mean, guys can actually play towards the ball at the breakdown, you know. Damon the Island at centre can do it. Um, uh, some of our wingers can do it as well. I mean, Chisholm Kobe can do it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of jacklers in our team. And if you have a guy that can slow down, slow down the opposition ball, I mean, that, that could disrupt your whole play and all your plans you wanted to do. I mean, quick ball is like, it's mm-hmm. like the, the nectar of a honeybee. You know, if you can get yeah. quick ball, you always need to go forward. 
and either get a penalty for being offside or, or get over the game line. So uh, the breakdown could be could be crucial. You know? I mean, I look back at 2012 when England played the All Blacks. They won that game at the breakdown. They overpowered the All Blacks back in 2012 at the breakdown, and that's how they won that game. So, um, yeah, I think that will be the one area that could, you know, be the difference for either side. Because I do feel the Lions have very, very good back that I was selected. You mentioned um, Sam Simmons, obviously. Um, you mentioned now... Um, What's his name? You just mentioned his name now, the, the other Mish, Yeah, Mish, sorry, uh, you mentioned him now. I mean, there, there's a, a great deal of new sports selected, mm-hmm. you know, for, for the Lions, you know. Um, I still yeah. feel they missed his thunder, but I'm actually glad he's not playing because he would have caused us some trouble. But, you know, be that as it may, I think the loose forward battle uh, or the breakdown battle for that battle will be crucial. And uh, it could be where the game could be decided at the end of the day or the season for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. I think another player, um, I mean, we obviously mentioned two, two in there. I think another player could be key in that is uh, Tag Byrne of Ireland. Um, I think he, oh. as well as um, being you know, very strong on the ball, he offers that something a little bit different to the other loose forwards he can play, he can play, or second rows team play there as well, in that he's really like strong at the choke tackle. Um, he could really, you know, sort of, I think he showed that in the Six Nations, just how, you know, sort of good he is at just holding players up enough in time for the teammates to get around and force the scrum. Um, so he's another one, definitely. Curry, of course, as you'll you'll know, another excellent player. I think has got a you know sort of a, a lot to a lot of ability. And um I, you know, two players I definitely have in the 23, whether they'll be starting or not, I'm not sure yet. But that's um yeah, well other other options at the back row I think could definitely um, prove um, difficult for the box and what will no doubt be an absolutely you know sort of fantastic battle there but I, th- I think you're you're right it will be mostly won or lost at the breakdown and it could be like you know sort of the, I think actually all three games are going to be pretty close like you know sort of there's going to be um, one or two scores or one moment of brilliance one moment of madness is going to separate them and um, yeah what do you think there? Yeah, I think you're quite right in that regard as well. And we actually failed to touch on one thing, and that is the thing that won the box the World Cup, the scrum. Yeah. I mean, that that old Springbok starting front row, not the starting ones, but that Springbok starting um, front row that um, that's going to play, most likely. I mean, two of those guys started and one was on the bench. Mm-hmm. And there's so many guys. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Vincent Koch of Saracens. In this conversation, and he's also an option, you know, playing a tight end. Um, so, do you think that the, the Lions have the pack, and especially, you know, uh, the four, the front row to actually contain the box? What do you think about that? Um, I think uh, Tag Furlong is definitely showing he's one of the best tight heads in the world right now. And if you can get him up to peak level, he's capable of, at the very least, holding his own against any front row, I think. Um, I expect Wynn Jones to be the starting um, loose head prop. Is scrummaging sometimes. I still can be a little bit so so. So I think that's one area like the box could. I mean, I know they'll be targeting the scrums anyway because it's just it's just what you do. Um, but no, I think I think Fur- Furlow certainly has it in him. Um, I'd say actually Rory Sutherland. I know he's injured just now. He's he's going, but uh, if you can get him back to full fitness and up to peak, he's shown in the last 18 months or so, you know, his, his ability as a scrummager, he can hold his own against pretty much anyone. Uh, so I think it's, I think it's an area of the Lions. I don't think they'll, they, they can um, out muscle the spring box there. I don't think um, they'll be wanting to get into too much of an arm wrestle up there, but I mean, it, at the very least, I think they can get parity and just um, not let the box bully them too much there. And uh, just, um, 
again, probably give away one or two scrum penalties, but as long as it doesn't go on a roll like that World Cup final where the box got one or two penalties, then it just built up and up and they just kept pushing England back and back. And then England just didn't have an answer for them at all. I mean, as long as like the Lions can at the very least get parity and not let the box bully them, they've got absolutely every chance, I'd say, in that department of maybe causing a few problems themselves. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a really tough challenge. Now, if we look back to the last series, the Lions played against um, the All Blacks you know, in New Zealand. They managed to not overpower New Zealand, but actually just match them in the pack. And it sort of drew things level for them in that regard. Um, and they defended very well, you know, the, the Lions. So that could also be a thing mm-hmm. where the box had a defensive system where they saw the fake space on the outside. Mm-hmm. So you think there's space and you just see guys coming across and there is nowhere to attack. So... I think it's something Gats will definitely look at, you know, because it is a system that can be unlocked with good kicks over the top. Mm-hmm. So our back threes for the play will have to be spot on to contain that, you know, if that's going to be the thing. Because the way the box play or the way the box defend, they tend to leave space at the back. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the one thing the teams haven't unlocked as of yet. And Gats, if he's a smart man, will see that and look to count in that regard as well. Yeah, no, I mean, very possible. I mean, I do, I do expect us to see uh, a fair bit of kicking in the series. Um, I'm hoping it's not that kind of ping pong back and forth rubbish. We don't like seeing it. If it, if it, if there is kicking, I want to see from both teams like actually play, playing with purpose, like they're going for positional or they're going to like put it in behind or even like an up and under to get. I expect a lot of that from South Africa, especially a lot of um Pollard or whoever's playing ten to put a few high balls up um to sort of really put. Um, pressure on uh, the Lions behind the defensive line and then disrupt and try and um, cause problems there. Um, but yeah, again, I'm, ho- I'm hoping if there is kicking, it is done with some purpose and some excitement because I don't like this ping pong rubbish we've been seeing like lately from cer- certainly from uh, a team ma- um, coached by Eddie Jones right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, look, um, I-, I used to be a, a guy that wasn't. But I actually hate it, you know, like you said, the whole ping pong thing. But I, I sort of got to understand why they do it. It's not the most attractive thing, but I think at test level, if you want to win a certain way, I'm not sure if you watch Chasing the Sun, you, you played against Wales. The whole tactic was not to succumb to the tactics of trying to, to run a ball that's supposed to be kicked. And although it looked boring, it won us a semifinal. Um, and I think no one will care what game you play if you win the series. So, mm. yeah, but I do get it, you know, from an from entertainment point of view. You don't want to see balls being going up back and forth, back and forth all the time, hoping for the odd mistake to capitalize for the opposition team. So, yeah, I mean, always a lot of excitement in those games as well. And I'm sure they will be, you know, with, with the players selected for the Lions, the guys that Africa has, I'm sure we set up for Caracas series. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I mean, f- fingers crossed it will be. Um, I think to finish off, what, what would... Um... I expect maybe we both have a, a bias here, but we'll see. What What is your um, tip for the series? Who's going to win it and by how many tests? I'm going to be biased here, definitely. Um, but I don't think it's going to be a clean sweep for the box. Um, I mentioned earlier the Jobic test and uh, the Cape Town test. Uh, I do think that the Lions might lose the first one up in Joburg and then win the second one in Cape Town. And that might set up a mouth-watering decider back in Joburg again, where the Springboks might edge the lines and actually with the series 2-1. Uh, that's sort of my my sort of crystal ball view at, at the whole situation. No, fair enough, mate. Um, I'm, I, at the moment, I'm still saying 
just towards the box, but I think all three games, as I said earlier, are going to be won or lost by either a mistake or a moment of brilliance or, you know, a penalty mate or a drop goal even. I think it's all, they're all three of them are going to be very close. And I think it will be, at the moment, 2-1 to the box, but very, I think it will, again, just very, I think it is going to be very close. And, uh, you know, and I think it will come down to that um, third, that third test as to, Last 20 minutes or so, I expect the last 20 minutes or so to be close in the box, trying to just pound the Lions back. And it'd be a lot, of, lot down to if the Lions can hold out enough and be smart enough, you know, both with and without the ball. And then, you know, sort of who knows, we could see it could be a, a cracking finale. But um, yeah, uh, I think um, we've covered quite a lot here, Angus. So um, yeah, I think we'll. Um, Call it wraps there. Uh, thank you very much for watching, guys. Much appreciated. Obviously, like, comment, subscribe. Let me know your thoughts. Take care of yourselves. I'll catch you later on.